You're listening to Alamo City Limits Podcast with Noah McGarrow-George, the official San Antonio Spurs podcast of Pounding the Rock in SB Nation. Welcome back to Alamo City Limits. I'm your host, Noah McGarrow-George, and today we're going to talk about the San Antonio Spurs at the 2021 Las Vegas Summer League. As you probably know by now, I was in Vegas to cover the Spurs from the 7th through the 13th, and I'm still a little jet-lagged, but now that I've got a full day of rest under my belt, I'm about ready to break down what I saw from San Antonio Summer League roster, starting with the star of the show, Trey Jones. The Spurs' 2020 second rounder has exploded onto the scene in Vegas to put his name on the map as a Summer League MVP candidate. And more than that, Trey has made a legitimate case to be San Antonio's full-time backup point guard. As of recording this, Jones is the second leading scorer in Vegas, averaging 24.3 points, 5 rebounds, and 6.7 assists per game on 51-33-89 shooting splits. Now, Trey Jones was similarly dominant in the G League bubble before being called up to the NBA last season, but there are significant changes in his game from a year ago. While he came out firing away from beyond the arc in his G League debut, Trey missed all four of his attempts, and from that point on, looked allergic to shooting the three ball, getting just five threes off in his final five games with the Austin Spurs. The biggest difference I saw while sitting on the sidelines was his willingness to let it fly even when he wasn't knocking them down. Three games is a small sample size, so that could change. But Trey told me something during one of the post-game press conferences that really stuck with me. He said, quote, I want to have a big role at the next level, like I've always had. So in order to do that, I got to work on all areas. My jump shot is the best it's ever been. I'm the most comfortable I've ever had it right now, and I'm continuing to grow in that area, end quote. Trey isn't just talking the talk here, he's proving how hard he's worked since last season ended. Not only is Jones clearly more comfortable in catch-and-shoot situations from three-point land, but he's made noticeable strides shooting off the dribble from mid-range. He showed flashes of improvement to his in-between game against the Timberwolves and Bulls, and he showed it in an expansive arsenal versus the Hornets. Thursday was his tour de force at the 2021 Summer League, and he dropped 34 points, 8 rebounds, and 9 assists on a helpless Charlotte squad. The 6-1 point guard picked apart Kai Jones on switches, using a wide array of crossovers step backs, hesitations, and behind-the-back dribbles to create space to get his shot off against taller defenders. He also showed off a blistering first step, getting to the rim at will with James Booknight and Grant Riller all over him, and using floaters, zero steps, and crafty mid-air ball manipulation to keep defenders from sending his shots away at the rim. And because opposing defenses have had to focus on stopping Trey from getting where he wants when he wants, he has been able to leverage his newfound scoring prowess into playmaking opportunities. His assist numbers are down from the G League bubble, though I think that's a little misleading with how poorly his teammates have shot through the first couple of games in Las Vegas. While his turnovers are up, I'm not really worried about that because I don't think it's going to be an issue for Jones. A good share of his turnovers have come when trying to do too much with the ball in his hands as the go-to scorer since Devin Vassell and Josh Primo have been out, and most of the others have come from him being hyper-aggressive and trying to fit the ball into tight windows. I'm not mad at him trying these things, and if there's a place to do it, it's definitely in the summer league. Overall, I think the second-year guard has grown as a playmaker and scorer, maturing into a legitimate NBA role player. That said, there were a few other areas that bothered me a little bit. Much like Patty Mills, Jones is always going to be undersized on the other end, putting him at a nightly disadvantage. Trey remains a pesky point-of-attack defender, hounding ball handlers in the pick-and-roll and making guys uncomfortable isolating on the perimeter. However, he just doesn't have much positional versatility, and when switched on to bigger players, they have a lot of success driving through him or shooting over him when they don't dance with the ball and give him a chance to poke it away. Of course, Summer League isn't necessarily an accurate barometer for NBA success, but Trey is obviously too good for this level of competition. If he can maintain this type of play in a reduced role for San Antonio, there's no reason he can't run the second unit offense or act as a spot starter when DeJounte or Derek sit. 
Or the Spurs might run into trouble as if Trey reverts to his previous tendencies of solely relying on getting the rim to generate offense, take away a semblance of three-point threat, or stop shooting mid-range jumpers, and suddenly Trey becomes a lot more predictable. Hopefully he continues to build confidence as we approach training camp in the preseason because I think his role can be scaled down successfully if the Spurs ask him to act as a secondary scorer and primary facilitator off the bench. So let's go ahead and discuss Josh Primo. It was a shame that San Antonio's first-round rookie played just one game while I was in Vegas, so I'll talk about my takeaways from that contest and give Spurs fans a few reasons to be hopeful about his development. Primo is brimming with untapped potential. He also oozes inconsistency, and that's nothing out of the ordinary for an 18-year-old. The 2021 lottery pick wasn't at the top of his game in his lone Las Vegas Summer League appearance, but patience and perspective are going to be necessary for the fans who still aren't on board with the 12th overall pick. Primo's on-ball reps were both scintillating and aggravating, and, you know, sometimes Josh strung together difficult dribble combinations that left defenders in the dust and, and my jaw on the floor. But there were also possessions where he displayed his ambidexterity, whipping one-handed live dribble passes with either hand, a talent that most seasoned veterans just don't have in their bag. Although this skill may come as somewhat of a surprise, Josh Primo told me operating as the primary initiator is, quote, something I've been doing my whole high school career. I've always played on ball. Going into Alabama, I took a different role and accepted that to the fullest and just made sure that I was a great off-ball player. Now I feel like I can do both things, whatever the coach needs of me to do on the floor, end quote. And it appears as though that role at Alabama added a new dynamic to his game. The first thing that stands out when you watch him play off-ball is his shot preparation. Few players his age have their hands ready, feet set, body squared, and butt low to the floor. You may see one or two of those things from a rookie, but the fact that he does all of those things so well and relocates intelligently at 18 is such a great sign for his trajectory. He also showed his age out there committing avoidable turnovers, and really the only time the rookie looked out of sorts was when he telegraphed a bad pass with the game on the line that led to a deflection and forced Trey Jones into a difficult isolation heave from beyond the arc as the buzzer sounded. But generally, his maturity to remain poised and instantly move on to the next play really stood out to me, not just in Vegas, but in Salt Lake City as well. Could his handle and decision-making use some refining? Of course, but the Canadian guard has a great foundation to build upon. There were certainly mistakes on the other side, though Primo was mostly solid as a defender. He committed a few silly fouls and missed a few rotations in his Las Vegas debut, but he looked good when guarding man-to-man versus similarly-sized players, and he kept his head on a swivel, never once losing assignment off-ball. He needs to add muscle, but his length and foot speed are dangerous tools that should only become more effective as he fills out that frame. And before we move on to Devin Vassell, here are a few fun facts about Primo. Five years from now, Josh will be as young as Derek White was as a rookie. And while the 2022 draft is still just a distant thought for now, Primo is younger than more than half of ESPN's top 25 basketball recruits for the class of 2021, including guys like Chet Holmgren, Paolo Bonchero, Jaden Hardy, Patrick Baldwin, Kennedy Chandler, and Peyton Watson. So I just thought that was insane. Like we, We've been saying this guy is very young for a while, but that just puts it in perspective how young he really is. But moving on to Devin Vassell, he was a little bit of a disappointment in summer league play. The second year wing was bothered by hamstring tightness in Salt Lake City, and that nagging injury carried over to Las Vegas where he asked to be removed from the game against the Bulls. We still haven't seen him suit up again, and from what Mitch Johnson said in the last post-game presser, it doesn't sound like the Spurs want to risk his health in any way for a summer league exhibition that doesn't count towards anything, really. So, Vassell had the ultimate green light, getting up 21 field goal attempts per game before leaving the contest early against Chicago. Unfortunately, Devin just couldn't get 
his shots to fall, often missing short, and I would chalk at least some of his struggles up to not being 100% out there, and he routinely got to his spots on the court by patiently using screens in the pick and roll, and that high release kept most of his shots from getting swatted, but it really didn't matter that much because he only shot 34.8% from the field, so take all that information for what it's worth. You know, he also found other ways to get himself going, including fearlessly attacking the rim, getting to the line 5.3 times per game. That said, Vestel still really has quite a ways to go before I'm comfortable saying that he should run any offense for the Spurs in the NBA. He wasn't really the best decision maker with the ball in his hands, and he wasn't much of a creator for his teammates either. And as encouraging as it was to see the 11th overall pick generate unassisted buckets, head coach Mitch Johnson pretty much echoed my sentiments after the Timberwolves game saying, quote, he missed some shots early and was a little out of rhythm as well. He's still trying to evolve into becoming comfortable handling the ball in the pick and roll, doing things off the dribble, end quote. Despite some of my criticisms, I was mostly encouraged by what I saw from Devin, and I think he'll look worlds better when fully healthy. Considering this was probably his first time being a go-to scorer since he was in high school, Vassell looked pretty poised when asked to create for himself, and that comfortability bodes well for his on-ball development long-term. He flashed some impressive turnarounds off the bounce, and his activity without the ball was solid, so it'll be interesting to see if Coach Pop runs more DHOs to get him shooting a higher volume of movement threes going forward. Although he looked a step slow defensively, especially man-to-man, Vassell was still better on that end than almost anyone he shared the floor with. His awareness and anticipation are insane, and combined with his length and athleticism, the Florida State product was good for forcing at least one turnover per game, converting defense into easy fast-break offense. That sort of defensive pedigree is what has me so excited to see him play alongside other elite defenders like DeJounte Murray, Derek White, and Jakob Pertl. And surrounded with fewer defensive liabilities, Devin could help San Antonio sport one of the best defenses in the league this season. At least, that's how I see it. And the last player we'll discuss in depth is 2021 second rounder Joe Wieskamp, who started slow but gradually built some momentum from his previous games to record his best summer league outing with 17 points versus the Hornets. You know, much like Primo, Wieskamp has excellent shot prep and moves well without the ball. He showed a strong understanding of how to use screens to get himself open and knock down a handful of movement jumpers and catch and shoot triples. He also continued to make timely cuts both in the half court and in transition, which got him a few uncontested looks at the rim. However, unlike the rest of the players, we've talked about up to this point, Joe doesn't look comfortable at all operating with the ball in his hands. He looked out of place when asked to create his own offense, and when he tried to take defenders off the bounce, they often cut him off before he could get to his destination, forcing him to retreat back to the perimeter or kill his dribble prematurely. Thankfully, that won't really be much of a problem as Wieskamp doesn't project to do much self-creation in the NBA. And while that won't be his role, it's always nice to see players getting a chance to play outside of their comfort zone in Summer League, which is exactly the place they should be doing such a thing. Joe told reporters, quote, Summer League is all about learning, and I feel like I'm learning something new every single day. I'm feeling more and more comfortable with each game, end quote. And it's great that Joe also understands that making the transition to the next level from college is a huge process. The 6'7 Swingman is a great positional rebounder, and though he doesn't create open looks for his teammates often, he keeps the ball swinging within the flow of the offense, which can ultimately lead to better shots for the Spurs. Still, there are a few things that concern me when it comes to the former Iowa Hawkeye. Like, despite his size, Wieskamp doesn't possess much defensive versatility, and his lack of awareness led to several backdoor cuts for opponents. Joe notched the fourth fastest shuttle time in a 42-inch vertical at the NBA Draft Combine, so theoretically, he should have the tools to become better on this end. Yet, for all his 
his incredible measurements, his athleticism hasn't really appeared to be all that functional out there. Summer league teams have gone at Wieskamp, and he hasn't had the lateral mobility or foot speed to recover when beat on drives. Even when slower guys couldn't get past him, they didn't have much trouble driving through his somewhat slender frame. Those issues, coupled with several missed rotations and miscommunications, tell me the 21-year-old rookie has plenty of work to do before becoming a serviceable defender. But let's close out the Wieskamp discussion by focusing on one of his greatest strengths. His three-point jumper looks buttery smooth, and while the motion is relatively slow when compared to the league's premier sharpshooters, his release is high enough to give him the extra time he needs to get his shot off. If Joe gets to spend an extended period with assistant coach Chip England, San Antonio could have a lethal floor spacer on their payroll sometime soon. But we'll go ahead and close things out with a mailbag portion of about six or seven questions. I don't really want this episode to run too long, so let's start with at Bro Spurs, who asks, given what we've seen in a handful of summer league games, was 11 still a reach for Primo or the right spot? Um, you know, Actually, I think Primo was drafted 12th, so I know I'm being a little bit too literal, but getting more on topic, no, I, I don't really think we're going to know whether or not Primo was a reach until you know two, three years down the line. He's 18 years old. He probably won't play that much for the Spurs this season. He'll probably spend a good amount of his first year in the NBA playing for the Austin Spurs, you know, up I-35. I really don't think that we're going to know this anytime soon. But personally, you know, just after seeing him play in Summer League, after getting to know a little bit about his background where he played for, you know, You Play Canada on the EYBL circuit, where he played for Canadian national team or at least the under-19 national team as a 16-year-old, and knowing that he operated on ball and was the primary creator, scorer, really most of his career until he got to Alabama, I'm not worried. You know, I'm not worried that this is a reach and you can't blame the Spurs for taking a guy and wanting to control his developmental arc, especially if he's a guy who they're very high on. You know, he's got hands that are huge. I mean, his hands are the same size as Kai Jones's hands, a guy who's nearly seven feet tall. Um, I really wouldn't be all that surprised if he continues to grow. So I like the pick. I wasn't immediately in love with the pick. I'm still learning to love this pick, but I'm very optimistic about what he can do moving forward. But moving on to the next question from Twitter, at BryceHendrick14 asks, do you think there's anyone on the Summer League squad not currently rostered you'd like to see on at least a two-way contract? And, you know, honestly, I do think Joe Wieskamp and Keita Bates-Diop are going to be the two guys who are on those contracts. Now, maybe they've seen enough from Keita Bates-Diop and they say, hey, you know, we're moving on. We'd like to see what Malik Newman can do or what Jalen Morris can do or maybe even Nate Renfro. But honestly, I do think that those are the two guys who are going to be back. But if I had to pick two guys who weren't the guys who I already mentioned then it would definitely be you know Malik Newman and, and uh, Nate Renfro. So I like those two guys a lot. I'll probably talk about them a little bit more. I know that we have other questions sort of relating to that. So we'll move on to the next question from Twitter. At AustinWN7 asks, can slash will Daquan Jeffries get a training camp deal? You know, he may get like an Exhibit 10 deal and he'll be part of the training camp roster and he'll play in the preseason. But honestly, I don't really think he's going to be playing all that much with San Antonio's roster. He's shown some interesting flashes here and there in Summer League, being able to shoot just a little bit, being able to drive. He's really strong. He's a good on-ball defender. But at the end of the day, I just don't see him being a part of this roster going into next season. So for that reason... Probably not, but we'll move on to the next question, which is from Sean Titan Fan, and they ask, do you think the solid summer league players like Malik Newman or Jalen Morris will stick around on two-way contracts with the Austin Spurs? Now, that's a good question. So, not that the other questions haven't been good. All the questions have been good, but the way that you ask that question, you know, not just giving me two-way contracts, but also offering me the Austin Spurs, which to me seems more realistic. Like, I do think someone like Malik Newman or Nate Renfro or even somebody like Jalen Morris ends up playing in the NBA at some point. 
but right now they're probably the end of the bench. You may be able to get them onto your Austin Spurs roster. I don't know how much those contracts are worth, but they're probably not going to be the two-way guys. Again, the two-way guys for me are Joe Wieskamp and Keita Bates-Diop, and I don't really think that the Spurs are going to go in a different direction than that. Maybe they do. That would surprise me a little bit, but for now, those would be my guys for that answer. And we'll move on to someone I know very well, Ty Yeager, at the Ty Yeager. He asks, favorite Spurs player in Summer League outside of the four draft-picked players? And I'm really excited to answer this question. He's a guy who... I've been very high on. I'm not going to say that he's going to be, you know, a spectacular NBA player, but I do think that Nate Renfro is an NBA player. Now, the biggest knock on him is he can't shoot. I believe he shot 19% from three in the G League bubble last year. I think he also only shot about 41% from the free throw line. We also saw him airball a free throw at Summer League. But those things don't worry me that much. Like if the Spurs have shooters like Doug McDermott, Derek White, Lonnie Walker, Bryn Forbes, those guys out there, you can sort of afford to have at least one guy who doesn't shoot. As long as that guy does a lot of things well, and and thankfully for Nate Renfro, he does a lot of things well. He passes the ball really well. He cuts really well off ball. He's a lob target. He's also a very good defender. You know, he he's a little skinny. He's a little undersized if you play him at the center like he's been playing for, for the Spurs at Summer League. But I think he's a pretty good positional defender, three and four. He may even be able to slide down and guard two, maybe one in a pinch. He's got great athleticism. He moves pretty well. And overall, he's just a player who he just is so good at the game of basketball that it's hard for me to see him not eventually getting a shot to play in the NBA. So he is my favorite guy, Nate Renfro. You know, if you even go look at his numbers that he posted in the G League last season, like those numbers will probably surprise you a little bit. And I know I talked about his shooting percentages not really being all that good, and that's definitely a fair thing to to talk about when you're talking about somebody who's in the modern pace and space NBA, but we're going to go ahead and just read off some of his numbers from the G League. You look at it, 4.4 points per game. You know, that's nothing special for 25 minutes per game, but it's the rest of the entire package. It's the six rebounds. It's the four assists. It's the one and a half steals. It's the two blocks on just one and a half turnovers. Like, this guy to me, is just too talented to not be in the NBA. I got a chance to see him play my alma mater, the University of North Texas, when they were in the CBI against the University of San Francisco, and I genuinely believe the injury that he suffered leading up to the draft process is what kept him from getting drafted, but I wouldn't be surprised to see him on an NBA roster at some point. I know we've taken quite a bit of time with this question, so I'll move on to the next one from at AngelGuti3. On Twitter, they ask, how did the other rookies look in Salt Lake that were mocked to the Spurs, specifically Jalen Johnson, Kai Jones, Moody, Shingoon, etc. So I'll talk about the guys you listed. I don't want to go too in depth about the other guys, but Jalen Johnson has looked phenomenal. He was a guy who was eighth on my big board. I thought he was going to be just fine in the NBA. Of course, there are questions, but there's questions for everybody. Once you get outside of that top three, top four range, you're just making bets. Even at the three, four range, you may be making bets on somebody who does not end up working out. So Jalen Johnson with his physicality, his athleticism, his uh, defensive IQ, his defensive versatility, his feel for the game as a passer, especially in transition, you know, I, I never had a worry about Jalen Johnson, and he has looked phenomenal with the Hawks. I don't know his exact per-game averages, but I think it's something like 20-10-3. and three. Looks really solid out there. It makes some really just jaw-dropping plays. Been really, really good. Uh, Moses Moody has also been very solid. He's not shooting too well, but I think just about 40% from the field, but he's shooting over 40% from three. He's a solid defender. He moves well without the ball. 
And I think he's probably asked to do a little bit too much for the Golden State Warriors as like a primary option at times. So I wouldn't be worried about that in the NBA, especially playing next to guys like Draymond Green, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Andrew Wiggins. Like the list goes on for that team. It's sort of uh, an embarrassment of riches for them. And I think Moody is going to be just fine. Shingun, again, a guy who dominated maybe the second, third best domestic league outside of the NBA as an 18-year-old. What did we think he was going to do in Summer League? Like this is exactly what we expected. He's going to dominate Summer League competition. This is nowhere near what he was facing last year last season and you know great looked really great out there I don't know if it's going to translate to the NBA against longer better athletes with better feel for the game who've been more experienced than he is but he looks really solid and I think he's going to be just fine in the NBA as for Kai Jones he was part of the last game that I was in attendance for in summer league in Las Vegas and I'll tell you this much when he's at his best he looks like a generational talent a future superstar an all-star right now he dunked all over Nate Renfro he was able to get to the rim he made some really incredible defensive plays while he was in Las Vegas. But the thing is, when he's at his worst, he doesn't really look all that playable out there. Like, he's not shooting good percentages. He's fouling a lot. He's not really scoring very much. He's rebounding at a really good rate. He's a better athlete than pretty much everybody at Summer League. But in the NBA, that's not going to matter that much. In the NBA, you're going to have to be able to play basketball. And one of the things I mentioned during the pre-draft process is, look, this guy is a project. He may get minutes right away, he may play right away, but do not expect productivity, and we haven't really seen that productivity even in the summer league setting, so, you know, I don't want to say that the Spurs made the right pick, nobody knows that, we won't know that for a few years, but I'm definitely happy with the Josh Primo pick, I think that they were fine either way, would Kai Jones have been nice, would he have been a project that would have been worthy of working on for a few years, sure. But I think at the end of the day, the Spurs liked their guy. You can't blame them for who they took, what they think of him. And if he ends up working out in a few years, they're going to look like geniuses. So we'll just have to wait until then to learn. And we'll move on to the very final question from at Srivatsa R06. They ask, who among the Summer League squad do you think can be a legit part of our rotation this year, given that Pop doesn't usually trust rookies with a lot of minutes? So obviously Devin Vassell and Trey Jones are not rookies. And really, Devin Vassell was the only guy who played for San Antonio. I know Trey Jones got into a few games last year, but Really, Vassell had a pretty consistent role in terms of minutes, not necessarily his role on the court, but just getting minutes consistently. There were games he sat out once Derek White came back, but he was good enough, at least in Pop's eyes, to play him the most minutes per game of any rookie since Kawhi Leonard. And that's not saying he's going to be Kawhi Leonard, but we certainly know that he showed off some self-creation potential. We know what he is on the defensive end. He could probably get even better on both ends. So Devin Vassell is the first guy who we're going to talk about. He's the guy who should be getting more minutes, more shots, a higher volume of touches within this offense, probably with the second unit, maybe with the first if he ends up unseating somebody in the starting lineup. But Devin Vassell, for sure, should be getting more minutes this year. And then we'll move on to Trey Jones, and we won't stick with him too long because we've talked about him pretty extensively at the beginning. Trey Jones should also get more minutes, and we'll see what ends up happening. You know, Does Lonnie Walker get the same opportunity that he probably wants in terms of getting more touches, getting more playmaking responsibilities? I don't know. I think you probably can get him those while moving Trey off ball a little bit as long as Trey continues to shoot the three willingly. I know the percentages aren't there, 33.3% on nine attempts through three summer league games, but there is a very high chance that both of those guys are playing within the second unit and that they're getting a ton of touches, a ton of shots, which to me is a good thing because I had a first round uh, grade 
because I had a first round grade on Trey Jones a year ago. And even though he wasn't the top guy on my big board at that moment, and I gave the pick, I believe, a B minus, I'm still very happy with the pick. Like for the reasons that I talked about, if he can continue to shoot, continue to score at a good level, he's added the mid-range game a little bit. Being a three-level scorer is not easy, and I'm not saying that's what Trey Jones is right now, but he's making progress towards that, so he should earn more minutes. As for the other guys, you know, I talked about it just a little bit earlier, but I think Josh Primo is probably going to spend most of his rookie season in Austin just getting as many touches, as many shots, um, running the offense, really with almost no consequence, really just letting him learn on the fly. And I think that's probably what's best for him. And in terms of Joe Wieskamp, it's tough because he has been a defensive liability in summer league, which does not bode well for his NBA defensive projection. But, you know, he said he's working hard on trying to improve those areas. He knows what he needs to work on. And you know, hopefully one day we see him with the Spurs and maybe that's this year towards the end of the year, sort of like we saw with Trey Jones, because he's a very, very good shooter. Of course, that shot needs to be sped up just a little bit. At least the form does. It's a slower motion. I think he could afford to speed that release up, but everything else about the shot looks good. The shot prep, uh, the form itself. So that would be my answer for those questions. And I just wanted to thank everyone who helped make my trip to Vegas possible. In total, my friends, family, and members of Spurs Nation raised nearly $2,000 to get me to Summer League, and my first experience there was nothing short of phenomenal. As promised, I'll donate the remaining funds to the Trevor Project, but since there was only about $40 left, I went ahead and took $210 out of my account so we could donate $250 to a cause that's near and dear to me. And if you want to donate to this wonderful program, please visit www.thetrevorproject.org. That's www.thetrevorproject.org. And before I let y'all go, thank you for tuning into this edition of Alamo City Limits. And for those of you listening at home, make sure to subscribe and leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. We've got a fantastic staff of writers over at Pounding the Rock who do an amazing job of keeping everybody up to date with their favorite team. So check our stuff out. But until next time, Spurs fans, take care.